Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Now's the time to save 30% on wedding jewelry, only on BlueNile.com. Make sure your wedding ring is the one with your pick of diamond and lab-grown diamond bands, all hand-finished and graded for excellence. Or surprise her with something blue she'll love for life, like a stunning pair of sapphire earrings. Blue Nile's jewelry experts are available 24-7 to help, from fit questions to style advice. Right now, get up to 30% off at BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. Folks, if you'd like a copy of my best-selling first book, Tales of a First-Round Nothing, head on over to ecwpress.com. If you'd like a copy of my second book, Tales with TR, Fights, Film, and Folklore, head on over to www.flankerpress.com. If you'd like either copy personalized, just add a note. Thanks for listening to my podcast, and happy reading. You're listening to the Hockey Podcast Network. New shows every day. Find us at thehockeypodcastnetwork.com or wherever you get your podcasts from. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome to episode 193B of Tales with TR. Let's get right into it. My next guest was an OHL standout with Sudbury and Kingston before moving on to a decade-long NHL career highlighted by a Calder Trophy as the NHL's Rookie of the Year in 2004 as a member of the Boston Bruins and tying the Toronto Maple Leafs franchise record for wins with 37 in 2006-2007. These days, he co-hosts the Morning Brew podcast and analyzes the game for the New England Sports Network. He is an amazing analyst, a fantastic father, a cool co-host, a gifted goalie. He played real well in the OHL. Round five was his fate to the Bruins in 98. Wouldn't you know, over a decade in the show. Hey, kid, don't frown. He won a Calder in Beantown. He was a leader and a chief when he played for the Leafs. I'll make a claim. He's an ambassador of the game. He's on Morning Brew and is a great father to folks. I like my crossword turn. I like my egg soft. Please welcome to the show. It's Andrew Raycroft. Andrew, how the hell are you doing? Hi, I'm wonderful. And that is as good of an intro as I've ever had anywhere, anytime. So I appreciate that immensely. That is wonderful. You deserve it, my friend. I got so many places to go. We're going to do a part one and part two with you because uh, we got about a half hour here today. And you're extremely interesting, not just your hockey part of the game. I want to know, first of all, first of all, you're growing up. Did you grow up in Belleville or were you born there? Belleville. Grow born and raised. Parents still live there. Sister still lives there. Born and raised. Yep. Okay, so, and growing up, did you know you were going to be a goalie? Like, who were your idols? Was it 
music, you know, and you just developed into a, a, a good hockey player and your interests when you were 14 or right from five years old. Give me the pads. I want to be a goalie. No, I was right in between that. So I was around 10 or 11. I was a good, I was, I like scoring goals. I was a little player. Um, and, and for whatever reason, at the end of one season, uh, after it was after my Adam, my first Adam year, um, or no, no first novice year. Sorry. So my first year in novice after that, um, I decided to be a goalie, um, and, and made that wonderful life decision at the age of eight or nine or whatever it was. And it was more just, I, I, I I just like the gear. I like being out there all the time. Um, I liked having more, even if you scored eight goals, you didn't really have the, uh, the, the game on your stick, so to speak. So I, I, I remember being annoyed when we would lose and, and feeling like if you're a goalie, you can, you can help that a little bit more. Ontario is a hockey hotbed and Belleville isn't that far from Toronto, which is the world's hockey hotbed. I believe if you talk per capita players coming out, did you play with or against any NHL stars in, in your minor hockey? I, I don't mean once you got to like under 17 selects, I mean like on your Belleville teams, did you come across any NHLers? Yeah, we grew up. So I, so we had triple uh, a came to my area. Quinny, Quinny red devils started up when I was in Peewee. So that's, that's really when, we started, and, and I was in the OMHA, so we played Peterborough and Lindsay, uh, York Simcoe, Ajax. Um, and the, oh. the big one that I played against all the way up was Mike Fisher. Uh, he was in Peterborough. We were the same age. We went then went to Sudbury together in the OHL. I was going to say, you guys were junior teammates, no? Yeah, yeah. So, so, so Mike and I had a connection basically since the age of eight and, and all the way up until him playing in the NHL with Ottawa So uh, as a 19-year-old. So, so he left me in junior, but... Um, Mike Fisher was a guy. Rico Fata was was the stud growing up. Uh, yeah, if you remember Rico Fata was the like he was the Wayne Gretzky at that time, um, and and you would see he was a man child, and and he would run us all over. Um, so so wow. th- those are the two. But but Fish was the real connection. Um, of course, lots of GTHL guys that that we ended up you know playing games or making it to the NHL. But but Fish was the one in our league that we played a lot against. Did Fisher's junior play resemble his NHL? Like, was it was he good two way? Was he a good leader in the room, or did he, do, he develop that in the NHL? No, he was he was built he built that really quickly, right? In in junior, so he was he was still a third round pick in the OHL, like not a stud. Um, and then what was the second round pick, a third round pick? I don't remember in the NHL, but again, like he showed up in Sudbury and he just got better every single day. And then his second year in junior. He had 110 points. He was big and strong now, and and could and could fly and could shoot, and and was just so responsible all the time. Just a good person too, like that guy that was. You could tell he was going to do anything he could to get there, but also do it the right way. No, no knuckleheadness, um, and and that's why he could play in the NHL as a 19 year old. Interesting. Well, um, was that a good place? We, we obviously, you know, we shoot Shorzy there. But uh, it seems like the perfect size for a junior town. We go to all the games, whatever games we can. I mean, a lot of games. Yeah. And more often than not, it's sold out. Uh, the players seem to be treated really well. They're not too big, not too small. It's not that far. People talk to me like I was going up north, like it was 10 hours. Above. Yeah, it's a, it's a few hours from Toronto. But in the OHL, that would be a road trip for you guys. The dub, that's in your, divi- like in your division is... I was at Tri-Cities, Prince George was 
uh, 14 hours, I think. Kamloops, <laughs> Kelowna were like eight and nine. That was in our division, right? <laughs> yeah. Travel wasn't quite the same in the O. No, no. And, and we, the Sioux had it worse than us. We were second worst. Um, but you're right. It, 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 from Belva, it was six hours. So it was a long ways when you're 16, 17. But, but at the same time, um, you weren't in Thunder Bay. It, it wasn't unmanageable. And it wasn't like you didn't see anybody for, for the whole entire season. So uh, it was a great place. And, and like you said, you spent a lot of time up there. It's a perfect junior place. Uh, Friday night, the old Memorial Garden, that's what everyone does. And, and that's where everyone goes. You got the wolf coming across on the on the the clothesline. Oh, yeah, it's still going. oh, the best, the best. And and we had a great group of guys. We had a, so I played with at, at that team we had NHLers. Uh we had Taylor Pyatt, we had Derek McKenzie, we had Mike Fisher, we had myself, Ryan Barnes played in the NHL some games. So so we had a really good group of young kids, and it was a we didn't get we didn't have issues at school. Everyone kind of liked us. We were respectful on the other side. So it, it was a great place to go up and play two years of junior. It was, you know, uh, it was I noticed I noticed played on your team. I played with him in the minors, and I, I thought, like the way he presented himself in practice, I thought this guy's going to be a sniper. He seemed smart. He was skilled. Konstantin Kalmakov. Oh, my God. Yeah, absolutely. Like, I, I was like, God, this guy's got some serious, he's got a serious gift, and he never really translated it. There was, there was flashes of brilliance. I didn't know where he played junior. I checked it out today, and I'm like, oh, okay. And he had almost well, he, over a point a game. Um, yeah. Anyway, uh, I, I thought Constantine was a fantastic minor leaguer. I don't know whatever ended up happening to him. Um, but up there in Sudbury. The I haven't heard that in yeah. Remember, and, yeah, I know. I played with him here in St. John's. Yeah, he was a beast. Like he was a monster, a 19 year old kid. Like when I went up there, I was, it was my first year. I was his last year junior. He was a beast and should have dominated much more. Uh, he, Jonas Soling was another guy that the other Euro and they lived together. And I think they stayed up like all night talking to their buddies back. Like, I think it was one of those deals where they were like, they went off on tangents and never really just like dedicated it and, and didn't have enough talent to, to get away with not doing that. Yeah, that's a good point. Now, listen, we got to skip through some stuff here because we only got so much time. Now, you go from there, and you were what in the O? Uh, uh, th- th- were you third, fourth round pick? What? No, in- I was into the seventh o. to the O. So I was, I was like, to- yeah, 112th overall. Like, I was a Then nothing. you go fifth round to the Bruins, but yeah. I looked like you're, on, you're playing in Kingston, and within a year, you're, you're playing on the Boston Bruins. Now, most people don't see that coming, and I remember being nervous – as a first round pick, but there was a far more of a, of a development phase. And I, I remember just thinking, you know, just go out there, get it, dump it in. I, I, I rem- as a forward, especially as like bottom six winger, you can kind of blend in, but there is no way, there's no way to avoid it. You're in goal for the Boston Bruins. Tell us about that experience. Well, it, and it how did it come to be that you played so quick? Wasn't there some injuries? Yeah, exactly. We it went really quick. So, like you said, I in in ninety seven, nineteen ninety seven, I was a fifth round, seventh round pick to the OHL, right? In nineteen ninety seven, and in October of two thousand, I'm playing in my National Hockey League. Um, that's how quick it went for me. Uh, I was I was a small kid. I, I kind of grew late, and and everything kind of fell into place. Had that good year in the OHL at the end, and then. Like you said, uh, my, I, I came out of camp as a 20-year-old being the, the starting goalie. So John Graham 
fell off a curb yeah. in partying at, at the one night off we had at, right at the end of training yeah. camp, right? TR, like everyone blows it out. You, you're doing two a days for two weeks. Um, we went out in Boston. I'm, I'm out with everybody. And, and he got, he just tripped and he, and he blew his ankle uh, at two in the morning in Boston. So he's out. And I'll, so now I'm the backup. So I backed up game one. Uh, game two, we go to Philly and we're winning five to one. And Byron Defoe comes out of the game with like eight minutes left in the, in the, against the Legion of Doom up five one with a hamstring pull. So that's on a Saturday night. I go in, I play eight minutes. And then Monday afternoon, uh, Columbus Day weekend in Boston, I'm, I'm the starting goalie against the Florida Panthers because Bizey's out and there's no one else. So it, it, that's how happened, how quick it happened. It was, it was, uh, you know, shocking. And, I don't even know. There's layers to this question, but okay. So that's a situation where you've got to, I mean, I don't know. I liken it to maybe a pitcher in baseball, but more so than everybody else, I'm thinking you got to really calm yourself down. You've got to, like, it's so mental, like a, a, a little off topic, but guy, you see guys like Jack Campbell or Samsonov this year, yeah. and sometimes they bounce back, sometimes they don't, but they're both, well, Campbell, I believe, was an all-star a few years ago. Samsonov, first-round pick, even some of those years in Washington that they said he wasn't developing, he still was pretty good if you look at his numbers. So it's clearly there. Now, the other thing is sometimes it's just bad bounces. Puck comes from the point to tip something, it goes in. Now, what if six of those happen in a game and they're not your fault? But now you've let in six. So I don't know. How do you hold it together? Did you have – I? There was a guy, Wayne Hollywell, and he was a sports psychologist, and I wish at the time I'd talked to him more. He helped me with the transition afterwards. I mean, I got hurt at 23. By 25, I'm done. And, and I remember thinking, I wish I talked to him a little bit more at the time because it was all eyes on me. And my, Well, you're Boston, Toronto, same sort of thing, Montreal. But I never really used him when I had to. Did you have a goalie mentor? Did you have a sports psychologist that you could talk to for times that – you know, similar to what the boys went through. I'm, I'm sure you had some ups and downs. You're in the NHL for over a decade, but obviously there was ups and downs. Did you have someone to talk to? No, I, I and I'm similar to you. I, I wish I had done it more. I was like you, just a little ahead of that time where it was yeah. something you did, and and those guys that were around, um, I always was friendly with and and would talk to. But but at the same time, like that, you know, the guys would always talk. I right, get that guy out. You know, we don't need that guy around. You can't talk to that guy. You don't want anyone knowing weakness or, or thinking that way. So, I never really had that. I had, I had, my family's very supportive. I had great family. I had great friends. Um, I was pretty balanced in my life as as much as a twenty year old can be balanced, I suppose, um, it, away from the game. But, um, I think, I, I think I. I believed in myself. I was naive too, really, really naive. When I look back, like it was like, oh, I'm, I'm going to do this. No big deal. Like it's, it just didn't seem like a big deal at the time. Um, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. I'll get out there and do it. Um, and <laughs> and I look back now and laugh, like how crazy it is that I was 20 doing that, and how hard and and how few people get to actually do that now that I'm 44 years old. But at the time, I thought everyone, you know, that's just what everyone around me does. Mike, my buddy Mike Fisher plays. Why can't I play? And um, and and it was one of those things where it was, there was a lot of night naiveness to to myself and my game. Sometimes that can really help. Now you get rookie of the year, but a couple of the was it the previous year? I think you played fifteen games, right? Mm. Yeah. For, so 
So that, so, so that was the, like, I was right at the edge of, and I'll be probably the last or the oldest rookie probably lot. Like, cause that was right before the lockout where 18 year olds didn't play like 20 year olds. Like it was really hard to get in the league. And if you did get in the league, then you're just, you're not going to put up points cause you're on the third line. And like you said, you got to dump it in and chase it and, and fight and do whatever else to, to, to get respect that way. So I was right at the end before the lockout. I had played 10 games at least when I was 20. Like I, I played, right? I was up until Christmas time that year. And then the year before, um, at the end of the season, I kind of made it. I, I had made the NHL. I blew my growing out with like two weeks before playoffs because I was going to play in the playoffs that year as well. Uh, I had to miss the time, miss the end of the season. But I think, I, like you said, I had eight or nine games that year. So I was up to like 20, 23 games career going into that rookie year. So between that and and the seasoning in Providence, I didn't feel like a rookie, um, but I was able to take advantage of like the twenty seven game rule or whatever it was. I find often a a career, you know, in, in a hockey game, I guess would be a microcosm of it. There, you know, you you ride the momentum often. You often ride momentum, and as a career goes, you try to ride momentum. So you have that big year, and it's an NHL lockout. Yeah. Uh, how did that affect, it wasn't just you, of course, the whole league, but especially for someone coming in and finally coming out and having a, a, an outstanding, I mean, the rookie of the year in the NHL is almost overwhelming, but if it's me, I want it to keep going so I don't have to think about things. Yeah, I don't want to think about it for a year. And, and now I got to go back. And it would have been a weird way to, because coming into that, you're a bit of an underdog. Now you've got to prepare yourself after a year off, I'm guessing, I mean, a of the NHL. I know you played, but you know, you got to come in with a different. So, so how was that mindset and did that lockout affect you at all as a player? Yeah, big time. And, and again, another one of those, when you get older, the hindsight, um, I, I didn't, I didn't prepare well enough. Um, I, I didn't want to be the rookie again, right? Like I had done that. I had worked really hard to be and get through the minors and, and not have to do it. But um, if I could grab myself, you know, 15, 20 years ago, I would tell myself, you got to act like you're a rookie again. You got to do it all over again, going into the lockout. Cause basically everything changed the equipment, the rules, the league, the people, yeah. the players, everything changed. But I didn't, I wanted it to be, I was in the NHL and, and I think my mindset should have been just roll it right back to, all right, I'm starting my career all over again. Um, and, 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 and you have to act this way and you have to do all of this stuff rather than trying to feel like you're validated in the NHL. So I, I, I had, I didn't have the best mindset in hindsight in that I needed to grind again. And just, if I had to kept the momentum, if that was the way to keep the momentum was to grind and, and it crushed, of course, I would have been so much better off. If we just had that summer to work out and train all year in Boston, very normally go into the season. Cause I was worried about a sophomore slump. I, I thought about it a lot. I didn't want to be that guy. I didn't want to be the flash in the pan and, and the, the, the lockout delayed that and made me think about it more. If I had to just jumped in the next September after a short summer, um, I think I would have, I feel like I would have been better off, but again, that's not an excuse. I, it was on me to, 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 to grind and, and be better again. We know hockey games move fast, but with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL, you can score faster than anything happening on the ice. This week, new customers can bet 5 bucks and get 200 instantly in bonus bets. 
Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code THPN. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get 200 instantly in bonus bets only on DraftKings Sportsbook. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas. 21 plus, age varies by jurisdiction, void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash hockey for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gambling resources. NHL and the NHL Shield are registered trademarks of the National Hockey League. Copyright NHL 2024. All rights reserved. Now, look, I'm jumping all over the map, but there's a few things I really do want to know. You played 72 games one year with the Toronto Maple Leafs, okay? Yeah. And even though that's fairly recent history... I don't know many goalies that that, that happens anymore. That was the last of, a, of an old school kind of way of thinking where you'd have your number one and then you'd have your way down number two, maybe get less than 10 games played. Now, I don't know, you might split, I don't know, 45, 38, whatever it would be. So what, what do you, is there a right and wrong? Is each situation different? As a goalie, what would you prefer to play almost, you know, would you rather play 90% of the games or 50%? Well, at the, at the time, I wanted to play all the time. Um, you can't do it nowadays. Uh, and you really, I mean, I would have been better served if we, you know, if I could have, if we could have had a backup goalie there that won five more games, we would have been easily in the playoffs, right? Like, I think, I think I got all but five points that entire season for our group, and and that's too much, you know. Like, you you look at all the best teams, that second goalie gets 30, 40 points for you over the regular season, and, and that's why yeah. they're the best. Um, so, so no, that's, that's long gone. You can't do it now. The way the game's played again, back then it was, you know, even after the lockout, there was still a lot of slappers down the wing. There was still a lot of plays just directly in front of you. Now it's so East West so fast. I, I, I can't imagine a guy surviving 72 games nowadays. You would just blow something would go um, either your brain or your, your legs at, at some point. And, and I was exhausted that year, like at the end of the season, um, I was I, I I could I I I must have been a shell of myself um, when I look back and 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 what I look like and what my body was and my mental capacity for playing in Toronto and doing that every day was it would it, it hurt a lot. Seventy two games is one thing. Seventy two games with a team like Toronto with such a yeah. There's exactly. a critique around every corner. I mean, you're there's one thing to be supported, but. You're also going to hear a comment every single day on how you play, and you're only as good as your last shift or game. Yeah. Um, by the way, speaking of Toronto, so does anybody actually give you shit that they, I mean, indirectly, you come to Toronto, Tuka Rask goes to Boston, Tuka becomes, well, and again, I'm not, Andrew, you, you had an unreal career, your rookie oh, yeah. of the year. Yeah, no, no, None I of these years know, yeah. where you're like bottom of the barrel, like you were a great player. Yeah. I just mean, you know, there was there's there's something, you know, in Leaf lore, that, yep. or in Boston lore, or whatever you want to look at, how they got Tuka Rask. Do you ever hear about that from fans? Well, I get it. I get it here. It's and and of course the the big irony is that I'm back here in Boston and I'm around the Bruins. I I 
see Tuca two or three times a week because um, we're, we're the next town over, we skate together, whatever it is, golf together. Like that's what's really funny now is as we're 20 years away from it. Um, and th- this is what I say to Tuca all the time. And th- this, is, this is complete honesty is that I saved Tuca Rask's career. Like I look at like if I had a stuck around and I knew Zidano, if I had stayed here when Zidano Chara was here, that would have been better off for my career than going to Toronto. So, so I, I look at it the way that, that I, I made Tuca what he was because we got he got traded and Justin Pogge had to stay in Toronto and, and couldn't get his feet off the ground. So, oh, yeah. Pogge, it's, yeah, it's, it's an interesting trade. There's lots of dynamics to it, like Justin Pogge. Like he, there was another guy there that they loved in, in Toronto. And if yeah. they had a traded Pogge, he was the Canadian superstar at that time. People would have yeah. went nuts for that too. So, yeah, um, I know. you it, know, it's... unfortunately <laughs> I can't explain myself with that all the time and I, I have to kind of eat it. Um, but again, as, t- and I was really defensive about it, really sensitive about it. Of course, at the time, you know, I was only 26, 27, um, yeah. still trying to play in the league. I didn't want it, but now it's, now it's funny. Now it's, you know, it is and you're both great. part you're both, of my life. Great, you know, you're both great former Bruins goalies. You had, fuck, that, that one year even in Toronto, 37 wins. I didn't realize yeah. that. I mean, you got a lot to be proud of. It just so happened, and especially, you know, they win the Cups and he's the goalie. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I get it, man. Toronto can be, um, as can Montreal, but I, what's the word? Scathing? Or, you know, but, but in the end, I, I don't know. I can't say, I mean, I, I didn't, they've, when I go back there, I, I just feel a sense of love for hockey. I, I, whatever happened, I, I got over it personally. Yeah, and I do Me respect I, those things. Yeah, you know. Yeah, it's very. I, I would assume I, it sounds like, and I think we have the same feel. Like there was times where there was resentment there, and now it's well, how lucky I was to do that. How few people actually get to exactly. put that jersey on. Um, and at the time, it's hard, right? Because you're young and you just want to dom. You just want to kill it and everyone for love you, but. Um, again, I, I think as time's gone on here, I've realized how lucky I was, and and to be able to be a Leaf alumni and a Bruin alumni, like that's, you know, that, I I hold yeah. in the same reverence as as a Canadian alumni. Anyone who's a Canadian alumni is, is you're pretty lucky to be that, no matter what or how long. That's it was. that's the way I, I look at it now. Exactly. Uh, I got this question. I mentioned you're going to be on the pod, and a couple of people sent me some questions, and one Perfect. gentleman named Mark. Mark, who's from Peterborough, he said, did you go to the NHL draft? I did. I did. Fifth round, because a lot of people now, for me, I I don't know, if if I knew what the cards were going in, it wouldn't really bother me if I went and I didn't get drafted. Maybe it's a bonus. What was your mindset? Because the draft was close, right? It was in Buffalo. Correct. So, of course, it's right there. Why wouldn't you go in one sense, but on the other one, you don't want to be disappointed? I mean, what was your mindset there? Yeah, no, no. I again, being naive. Uh, I, again, I, I just like, oh, I'm gonna get drafted. I'm on the list. Someone <laughs> will pick me at some point. But Jesus, uh, again, I dodged another bullet. I was, I was fortunate that I, I, I didn't go to like the combine. I didn't go. I only had like two meetings, maybe with teams. Boston was one of them. Like I, I really felt like all the way through, Boston really liked me. I knew they went to a bunch of my games. Uh-huh. I knew. I had a good interview, like I did the interview and, and was excited about that. And, um, 
again, it, it just kind of worked out. It was a really long day that first round. I mean, you were lucky you were out of there and in, in within a little bit of time. Oh um, yeah. First it round gets, was that, really long. That first round takes hours and hours. I try to tell people, I'm like, oh, it gets pretty monotonous in that building. It's really, really, really painful. And then, and then at that time there wasn't like the, you know, and then you still had second, third, fourth, fifth round. Um, and I had that fifth round with the Bruins circled. If I hadn't have gotten picked at that point, because there was a lot of goalies going off the board, I think I was still like the 12th goalie picked in 1998, something like that. Like there was a lot wow. of goalies going off the board. And um, if I hadn't have been picked by that Boston pick, I, I would have been crushed and I might have left the building at that point because it was getting strenuous. And then, of course, you have some family, my parents, my sister, like everyone else is waiting. I can only imagine how annoyed they were that they had to sit through that. Um, but again, like everything, you know, when you're there that you, you, I, you don't think about that once your name gets called and it's pretty cool to have been in the building now and, and um, turned out to be worth it, I guess, even if it was the fifth round. So now as a goalie, I've, more and more, it seems goalies, maybe it's just me, but it seems there's a lot more strains, a lot more tears. A lot of guys miss a lot of time. Is it overtraining? Has the league gotten to the point or, or, or is it overtraining or has the league gotten to the point that, that there's just too many games played or because I see these these young goalies and they're in wicked shape, but they're over. Maybe they're not, but they're training. They're like 16, 17. They're going to you know skate with them all here. They're going over to major junior or college or wherever. And I'm like, are these guys? And they look like Greek gods. <laughs> yeah, it's like Giancarlo Stanton. I often say. He, he's built like a Greek god, but he, and, and the Yankees got him, and he hurts himself last year swinging. Swinging. Yeah. He, you hurt swinging. I, I, I don't know. At this point, isn't that what you're supposed to do? Uh, and you look at a guy like Phil Kessel who sets the record. I, 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 now, I'm not saying that Phil's training is the training regimen of choice, which it should be, <laughs> but is there a happy medium, and is there anything to goalies overtraining, or is it just the demand nowadays? And that's you know you just got to be ready for that. I think I absolutely. I think you can be on the ice way too much, and and as a goalie, uh, you see you talk about those kids. They all they're getting hip surgeries at sixteen and fifteen years yeah. old. It's crazy. Like you're gonna you have no chance of making it, and. Um, if you're getting, you know, no one wants to deal with guys that have hip problems and hip surgery. So don't go on the ice 12 months a year. Don't be butterflying 360 days a year and doing post integration and driving into post. Like it's so bad for your body. And uh, yeah, there, there's absolutely something to be said. Of course, we can't get away with being, you know, doing Marty Brodeur and not, not training all summer. Like you can't be the greatest of all time if you're that now. But yeah. there is a happy medium where you can have a little bit extra on your body that it's not perfectly chiseled and, and everything isn't so wound tight that um, you, you're, you're, you're blowing out all the time and, and, and reps. It's, you can take six, eight weeks off. It's not going to make a difference in, in how much better you get. And, and at the end of the day, it, it benefits you when you're 15 to take some time off. But they just don't do it. And that's where the overtraining really sets in, I think. Thought so. Uh, a couple of players. So Patrice Bergeron came in as a rookie when you were there, right? Yeah, we were I'm just roommates. Curious, as, yeah. As, as a hockey fan, I really, really look up to that guy as a player. I think he's as good as he is. I still think he's like underrated. I think you could put him like one of the best of all time. I don't know about Mount Rushmore, but he's way up there because of everything he brings to the game. Did you see that? Was that confidence there? Was that two-way player that seems to command so much respect without even saying it was that there when he was a kid 
It was. And, and I don't think it, you know, there's, it certainly wasn't like, wow, this kid's a Hall of Famer the first time he stepped on the ice. And, and, and like you said, up, you know, he won't ever be considered Mount Rushmore, but he's going to be, I think he just continues to get more regarded as this goes on or gets away from it. But um, as an 18 year old, he didn't speak very much English. He was very, very <sighs> self-conscious about it. Um, we were roommates. It was just me that he would talk to. Like it was, we were pretty, pretty quiet. Um, but it was his, it was his willingness to get better was so evident at 18, like so mature to, to, to watch and sleep and, and not mess around and, and take everything very seriously, but in a way that endeared you to him, not, not like a captain Hardo, captain Superman. Like he was the captain that, and, and a leader in that you, you actually, he was one of those guys that could bring you in to do more with because of his mindset and and because he cared and because he loved it so much and you know just like Sidney Crosby like it, it just all of those guys are the same and and Patrice was like that as an 18 year old you were, you knew he was going to be in any it wasn't going to be an 18 year old and done you knew he was going to play in the NHL for a long time because of how he he handled himself and and was that kind of a teammate at 18 Good to hear. Uh, so, do you still do some side coaching with University of Connecticut? I know you were. Yeah, no, I, I was there when I when, when okay. I first finished, but um, my kid just got too old, and I, it was just too hard to do. So, um, not a lot of like I'm on the ice with my kids all the time doing coaching, okay. and, and my older guy's a goalie, so I kind of do some goalie stuff with him. But uh, most of it's I'm pushing pucks around and giving kids hugs out on the ice. I see. Uh, do you like analyzing the game? Do you like, uh, you know, talking about hockey stories, whatever it is? I mean, you know, you, you got a podcast, but what what do you like? Was was this an ambition of yours? Were, were you, did you know that you were going to get into this or were you like, I want to be a carpenter after hockey? Yeah. No, I wanted to be a carpenter. I wanted to be something else. And uh, I tried a few other things. I took some sales jobs. I got my real estate license, all the the, the normal I did stuff. Those, I did that too. Yeah. That, that people, you know, you think people do in the real world. Um, yeah. And and I, by the time I got through like my third or fourth gig, um, one, I realized I don't want to do nine to five, and and my family yeah. does it doesn't work very well, and I'm not very good at it. And then two, I just got lucky enough that I was back here in Boston and. Um, just kind of got in the mix with the alumni and then the the tv stuff came up and i tried it and i i wasn't that good at it but i was like this is kind of interesting like it's 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 something that can give me something to get better at um yeah. and and i do enjoy being around hockey guys again like i i again with all that toronto stuff and the tuca and everything like i was kind of i was pretty self-conscious about it but then getting back in the mix and seeing everybody and and realizing that no one really cares and, and no one's really thought about me and it's just one of the guys. Um, yeah. and I realized that this was the best way for me to get back in the game. And, and I really kind of p jumped in and, and tried to get better at TV and try to get better at telling stories and communicating and analyzing. And, um, it's, it's snowballed and it's gone to the point now where, um, I, I do it a lot of it and, and really enjoy it and, and love going to the garden now and seeing a bunch of people that I played with, whether they're, you know, whether it's the Canadian coaching staff and it's Alex Burroughs and, and, and Roby yeah. and, and Marty St. Louis, all guys I played with and seeing them around the rink doing other things. It's just, it's been a great way for me to be back in the game. So I never thought it was going to happen. Like you said, I wanted to be a carpenter, but um, I, I, I'm not good at anything else. 
Wow. Uh, yeah, I, I see what you mean. I went through that too. I was a sales rep for a little bit and then uh, took the real estate license and I just, my, my heart wasn't in it. And, and yeah. people then, some people were calling to see a house just so they could meet me and talk about hockey and which normally wouldn't be bad, but I felt like a, a, for me, I, I, again, I'd rather just not be the real estate agent, talk to you about hockey at the bar or at the coffee shop, <laughs> but I felt like a conduit for some hockey fans that don't really want a house. They just want to have a chat. I, I don't know. It was, it was a weird, the whole thing was curiously weird, but I'm glad I landed where I did. Now, look, I, I got to go, but I got, um, I just got one last question. So you finished your career over in Europe, Italy and Sweden, I believe. Uh, yep. Uh, how did you like that experience? Uh, and do you still have any connections with people over there? I, I do. Um, so I went over in the lockout, I went to Finland and, and that was the first time I'd crossed the, crossed the ocean and I loved it. Um, and, and I told myself that I wasn't gonna, I wasn't going to, at the end of my career, whenever that was, I wasn't going to toil back in the AHL. I was going to go over there and have an experience. And, um, as all, does for almost everybody, um, the time came for the, me in the NHL and, uh, I, I still felt that way 10 years later and I wanted to go to Europe. So we did went to Italy the first year. Cause I, I, I didn't want to get into see, I, I was burnout. I was really burnt out. And I thought Italy would be a great chance just to kind of play hockey. Um, not too serious, but, but live downtown Milan. Like I, we lived in an amazing place in Milan and, um, oh, yeah. it was awesome. And then halfway through that year, I was like, okay, I need, I got one more year kids. Um, we can't do it anymore, but I want to play some serious hockey. So, got in touch in Sweden and went way up north in Sweden, which was, again, um, we had just had twins. So we had little babies and we just kind of hung out in a small little Swedish town all winter. And, and I loved what it. So town? I, uh, I used um, to practice, I used to go in the off seasons to Vasteris. Oh yeah. Up, uh, up, up Northern Sweden, uh, myself yeah. and Brad Brown was yeah. another OHL grad. Uh, we would yeah. go over, we needed to work on our skating. The yeah. Habs said, we can go anywhere. If we approve it, you can go wherever you want. So they would have sent, uh, a skating instructor here. I went to see Laura Stam one year in Toronto or in Brock, Brock University, St. Catharines. Yeah. But we settled on two two years. We went over to, or yeah, to uh, Vasteris. Peter Popovich was from there who played in Montreal, but uh, Nick Lidstrom yeah. and Tommy Salo. It was a, it was a great experience. Uh, we were there for most of June and, and part of July. So oh. did you enjoy it up there? Yeah, I loved it. Loved it. Uh, we didn't, you know, unlike June, you don't see the sun. It's the exact opposite. But, uh, but no, it was great, great people. Um, as you know, great, great culture and, and just a great way of living, you know, like small town Canada, you know, how I grew up, that's what it felt like up there. So, um, yeah, again, great. loved it. Just a great experience and, and stay in touch with a lot of those people up there. Your, uh, it must've been hard now. must've been hard. I can't speak for it when I played my career got cut off early and way earlier than I had kids. But how do guys be getting traded and signing in different places year to year with three and four and five kids? It must be extremely hard, and it's something I never talk about on here. Yeah, I was. And that's that's really what what I remember taking a bus trip right around Christmas time in, in Sweden, and, and I'm staring out the window thinking, what the hell am I doing? Why am I putting everyone through this? My little guy, my older guy was four. We had twins that were one. My wife's sitting at home by herself a week what? before Christmas. Like Why all the cousins are playing. This? <laughs> it's really what it came down. And I'm like, oh, Jesus. So, uh, yeah. so it was hard at the end, you know, with the kids. Cause you, 
all the decisions you make, right? When you're, when you're single, you're just like, yeah, it's, it's your soul. It's just about you. And then yeah. when the family comes in, the wife's pretty good. You know, most wives just go with it. So you're, you're in the same spot when then you have kids and, and kids that recognize what's going on and, and understand and kind of have a voice. It gets, you know, you feel guilty. Um, so at the end I felt guilty. I'm like, I'm not doing this anymore. We got two months left and um, it's time to hang them up. I, I probably, if I was single, I probably would have done it two or three more years because it's easy and whatever. But but when it's the the kids are involved to to your question, it's it does change the dynamic in a big way and it makes it harder to stay in the game. Uh no, well said. Now I gotta take off, but uh I'm gonna do your pod now. I'm gonna go get my um my girl from school, come back, we'll do that. And maybe we can do a part two sometimes. I wanted to get those Anytime. questions in, but there's so much so much else that I'd like to talk to you about. And I'd like to get your opinions on uh some things that are current yeah. in the National Hockey League, but we have uh, maybe we'll do that uh, maybe during or going into the playoffs. Do you have anything to plug? Do you have any companies or or teams or any gear or anything to promote? No, I appreciate that, but no, um, I appreciate talking to you in a little while with uh, clearing the key crease with Kami and Seaball. We're gonna have fun doing that, but um, I'm happy to jump on anytime. Tr, this half hour flew by. It was fun. It really did. And I'll see you Bye-bye. again in uh, just a few minutes. Thanks again, Razor. Raycroft, yep. really appreciate it. And we'll talk to you again soon. Radio. Okay, buddy. That was Andrew Raycroft, folks. Thanks for tuning in. Uh, that's going to be part one. He's a real interesting guy. But uh, duty calls. And I have to head to Fort St. John, B.C. tomorrow. I've got a busy day ahead of me. So what I want to... Remind you all, as if you're in St. John's, Newfoundland, and you go to George Street, why not stop into Trinity Pub, TJ's Pub, Rob Roy Confusion, Greensleeves Pub, the Martini Bar, of course, the Bull and Barrel. If you're going to go for a bite to eat, why not do it at Loose Tie, Merchant Tavern, or Blue on Water, and, of course, Wedgwood Cafe in the East End on Elizabeth Avenue, Wedgwood Cafe, who also do catering. Check out Peter Wedgwood, Wedgwood Cafe. If you want strength and balance for the body and mind, look no further than Ryan Power. Power conditioning on Rope Walk Lane. Strength and balance for the body and mind. If you want to go to Mr. Lube, there's two locations here in St. John's, Newfoundland. One is on Torbay Road, one's on Camelot Road. Live, laugh, lube, Pitbull Pain Relief. Pain sticks that just don't quit. Go to pitbullpainrelief.com and see what all the fuss is about. True hockey. Take what's yours, folks. I'll be back in just a couple of days with more Tales with Tierra. Thanks to Andrew Raycroft. Thanks to you guys for listening, and I'll catch you on the rebound real soon.